Over the past year, we've leveraged Vistaprint services to help us on our mission to inspire entrepreneurs of color. They've helped us print stickers, t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, and even snapback hats. Yes, they print just about everything. My point is, they print a lot more than just business cards. So as you look for ways to help your small business stand out, think Vistaprint. The printabilities are endless at vistaprint.com. Any type of like envy or resentment or like frustration or jealousy that I ever had like towards other kids who had money, help, money or help mm. who didn't worry mm. about paying their rent yeah. or how I was like, oh, you can't buy this feeling. And I get goosebumps when I tell a story. I'm like, you can't buy yeah. that feeling. You don't have to worry about if you could pay your rent, if money's gonna be in the account. As soon as that happened, I knew after that point that I was always gonna be able to take care of myself. Wow. That must have felt really nice. I am getting goosebumps telling you about it because it, that was like an unlocking of like, be like, oh, trust fund, no trust fund, it's all good. Because hmm. you knew you, you had you, something. I have this thing yeah. that you can't take, and that you can't, you can't easily buy, go find. that I, <laughs> did on my own and it it I don't have the words for it really but it was this knowing mm. and it was like this like you know yeah and so that was like the first time I had ever felt that mm. and it was like a sense of peace it was a sense of confidence yes. it was a sense of like security and safety that I had like given myself mm. that was the first time tell me where you wanna go where you wanna be I can help you get you on your feet I'm Bima, and on today's show, we talk to jewelry designer Maggie Simpkins. The daughter of a social worker and a boilermaker, she grew up in Portland, Oregon. Not really into pop culture like most kids her age, she grew up loving making things from candles to making her own pants. For Maggie, art wasn't just art. It was a way of life in the Simpkins household. At an early age, she learned that being a creative individual wasn't always going to be accepted. And as she grew up, she never really saw a future combining art and commerce. She was just focused on getting out of Drury, Portland, and setting her sights on L.A. But as a college student, she never jailed with authority and didn't stay there long. So after she dropped out of school without a plan, she reached out for part-time work to a former customer who had her own business. This customer had her own jewelry line, and it was an eye-opening experience for Maggie, both good and bad. She was inspired to design her own earrings and show them off to her boss, and she was immediately promoted to designer but maintain the same pay. Now, while she was struggling financially, her designs would end up in Nordstrom. From there, she moved on making websites for a jewelry designer in the design district. She observed how male-dominated the jewelry business is and how Black women were few and far in between. But she stayed on her path and started to make headway in her own business. In our conversation ahead, Maggie shares a story about how she'd rather make things than watch TV. 
So, yeah, my mom was a social worker my whole life. Like, she was, like, advocate angel champion for, like, so many voices, so many groups. And so, like, I watched that, and I was always very aware of, like, the help that the world needs, right? And then my dad was a boilermaker. He worked at the shipyards. Hmm. And so he would, like, go to work at, like, 4.30 in the morning and, like, 12-hour days, da-da-da-da, and he would, like, weld on ships. And he had gotten into welding. He was from Long Island, New York. He moved out to Portland in the 80s. He got into welding because he wanted to make metal sculpture. Wow. And so, and then he got a job at the shipyards, you know, union, and he just kind of fell into. Yeah. But he was a dreamer. Mm. And he would, like, he was obsessed with uh, series Land Rovers. (laughs) So, like, my dad was driving Land Rovers before everyone thought they were so cool. Yeah. And, like, here, you can't go down the street without seeing one. (laughs) Right. And growing up, you couldn't hide. Hmm. (laughs) So you would be coming to pick me up from school, and you would hear the diesel, like, two blocks away, and I'd be like, gotta go. (laughs) You'd be like, you would hear it coming up. And everyone would be like, what? You know, and it was just like, you're just like, oh, my God, this is so embarrassing. Stop looking, you know? But he was obsessed. And he would always be in the driveway, Mm -hmm. like, cutting apart parts and, like, making parts and like building parts like he would build crazy contraptions like wild but it was always like oh my dad's working on his truck like i didn't you didn't think of it as like this creative side oh my dad is like an artist engineer like he's you know i was just like oh god we get it the truck (laughs) (laughs) you know like we get it the land rover so yeah i grew up lots of off-roading did you ever like participate in any of that stuff off-roading no, or well, welding? No, just his welding and, like, when he's in those projects. Well, it was kind of like, get out of my way. Mm. I got some metal in my eye when I was a kid. <laughs> so, like, it's in my blood, really? Yeah. Like, yeah. No, but, like, I would watch. And mm. I would, tra- well, I'll share a photo with you. Mm. That's not true. I will share a photo with you of uh, me as, like, a one- or two-year-old with, like, he's working and mm-hmm. I'm like I have a thing it's a really good photo oh, so yes I did I was like in the mix yeah. I was always like dirty and like had bare feet and like <laughs> splinters Doing and something. like always so woodworking, were you just whatever. an outside kid or I like, was an outside and kid. you weren't like no TV no I, like no stuff like that no we didn't have any channels <laughs> <laughs> we had like the normal channels it would be like Saturday morning be like golf just watching the no green. <laughs> the only thing I had to look forward to was TGIF on Friday nights at eight yeah. o'clock. Yeah. So I know I didn't watch a lot of TV. I don't watch a lot of TV now. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up going to a lot of movies. Like I don't watch movies now. Wow. People think I'm crazy. How do you spend your time? What would you you, you just want to like make, make stuff? You know, there's like a point when you're an adult, you're like, ding ding ding. Like I've been doing this my whole life, but I didn't. <laughs> you know, like it, you don't realize until you do. Mm-hmm. But I know I didn't ever. And if I was watching TV, I was always coloring or drawing yeah. or beating. It was just or, background noise. It was just background noise, yeah. and it still is. Like I'll, I'll watch TV to like turn my brain off mm-hmm. or to like feel good. Yeah. But not. Eh. You're not actually like, paying attention to no. what's happening. There. I don't know who anybody is. <laughs> like, oh, this guy, this guy. I was like, I've never seen Lord of the Rings. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I've never seen so that. I can't ask you about the new Game of Thrones prequel. Absolutely just, not. Gosh, I will not talk to you about that. Okay, Harry Potter, enough. Titanic, The Notebook, <laughs> Matrix. Don't know. But you know the titles. <laughs> well, yeah, to be a kid and like to be like a part of pop culture, you have to like know, yeah. kind of, but I just like don't care. It was probably like a, 
defense mechanism. You knew of these things, but you didn't need to like, you yeah. didn't actually care to actually and know about And I think as them. an adult, I've like doubled down mm-hmm. where I'm like, oh no, I've definitely never seen that. I never will watch that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no, it's because you probably are like way more comfortable in who you are today. I mean, y- yeah. Like, yeah. I doesn't mean that I love all parts of myself all the time. You know what I mean? But I'm pretty like, yeah, that's, that's me. That's, yeah, that's me. That's me. <laughs> so you're making all this stuff. So what up, were you making as a kid? Like, what were some of the stuff you were making? Everything. <laughs> everything. Like, candles. Paper. Candles? How do you learn how to make candles? You, you buy wax, you melt it, or you get the beeswax things and you roll them. There's lots of ways. I mean, everything. Yeah. Beading, looms. Uh, I got a sewing machine for my 10th birthday. I would make, I would make pants for myself before I would go to fourth grade. How do you get, like, the fit right? You just keep going. <laughs> uh, anything like woodworking related, anything. Who are you like doing hammers. This with? Well, I'm an only child. I spend a lot of time by myself. Mm. But my parents are like me. Yeah. They're like, Maggie, go, go make some pants. <laughs> yeah. Like it would be before school. I'd be like, I don't have anything to wear. And so and you're then just, I was like, yeah. Maggie's just. Yeah. You know, exactly. <laughs> no, like, <laughs> like terrible. a psycho 10 year old in my room. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like weird. But also but really cool. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I would be very intrigued to meet a 10-year-old that's literally sewing their own clothes. Yeah. It is kind of that unlearning because I, when I think back to how weird <laughs> and cool that is, I, you know, it's like how much did I learn when I was a teenager to be like, that's not cool. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I was just really creatively like, so my, and my mom went to college to be an art teacher okay. and she ended up being a social worker. So but, basically you're in a house full of creatives that don't identify as creatives because of society, essentially. Yeah, or just like, uh, the way that I think about it is like, it was just kind of a way of life. It was just what you did. It wasn't like, the oh, Simpkins I, way. I'm an artist. <laughs> like it wasn't, you didn't like talk about being an artist. You, yeah, just, you, just, made, you just made your Halloween costume every yeah. year <laughs> because that's what you did or you made your your pinata out of paper mache every year and then you painted it because that's what you did. Or you made clay masks to hang on the wall and you, cause that's just what you did. Like it wasn't- Is that like what y'all did or is that a Portland thing? Like, did you discover that was like normal with everyone else that you would Well, be? I went to, I mean, my parents were like retired hippies. So like, I, I think Portland in the nineties was like a special place cause there was like a lot of burrs East and kale and like <laughs> armpit hair. Like that's not anything new. <laughs> if you grew up in Portland in the nineties, like, 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 oh, that. you guys are just discovering lesbians. Like, <laughs> duh. Been here. <laughs> We've been on that. Like what? Um, old news, uh, burrs East, old news, um, Bragg's amino acid, old news. But so I think that, like, yeah, I was in, like, more alternative schools. And so mm. maybe, like, friends' parents did cool stuff like that, too. Mm. So it wasn't like I was the only alien <laughs> on the block. <laughs> but when I got to high school, I was really aware that, like, that's not how a lot of the kids was, around me grew up. It was different. And when I moved to Los Angeles, I was really aware of it. Was that really not, yeah. well, the, take me back to high school, right? Because uh-huh. there's a story that came up in research uh-huh. that <laughs> okay. you made this necklace out oh. of uh, pins or something. That was still when I was like in elementary this school. This was in elementary school. Mm-hmm. And this was at a community pool. This was at Matt Dishman. Oh my gosh. I was taking swim lessons. You take swim lessons. Yeah, and this we girl called your necklace ghetto. Yes. Have you heard the word ghetto before? No one had. Okay. <laughs> this might surprise you. 
but I don't get called ghetto a lot. <laughs> that might surprise you. Um, no one had ever called me ghetto before, but it was another black girl, first mm -hmm. of all. Okay. But, and I remember, well, it was, it was, it was like probably the beginning of like me learning that like your creativity or your being different is not going to be understood by other people and it's going to mm -hmm. make pe people uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you can either like mm -hmm. hide Dem that or mm -hmm. you can like embrace it. Yeah. It's like when you're a kid, like making stuff isn't cool. Hmm. New sneakers are cool. Yeah. The newest cell phone is cool. That's cool. Designer stuff is cool. Very cool. People's parents having a new car or a pool is cool. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, ew, you made that necklace out of paper clips? <laughs> ghetto. <laughs> and then I remember seeing a few years ago, Virgil had done like a collection yes. with like, was it LV? And they're like, paper clips, great. diamonds. And I was like, I did that shit when I was eight and I got made fun of. Yeah. But go Virgil. Like, I it's, don't know. It's always so interesting when stuff that I find that Black people have done mm -hmm. just normally day-to-day -day life. Discovered. Gets discovered and then amplified. And then it's like the coolest thing. Depends and, on who. Well, it depends who. on who discovers it. Right. Right. It fascinates me. Because no shade, but I don't think paperclips now as a 34-year-old, I don't think that's innovative. Mm. I thought it was innovative when I was eight in the swimming pool. Yeah. <laughs> but like, okay. Yeah. And no, it's... You know what I mean? And I respect a, all of it. I just... That is like a pet peeve of mine as someone who is a designer and who pays attention to every single detail. And whether you like my stuff or whether you don't like my stuff is doesn't matter. It's subjective. Right, I don't even doing, like okay. all of the stuff that yeah. I make. Right? But You're a it, typical artist. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> but it's for a purpose, you know? But at least everything is intentional. Mm -hmm. And so I think that like I get mad when I see lazy design. Mm -hmm. When I'm like, you don't get to just call a paperclip jewelry because mm. you like want to be, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, my style can be really simple. Yeah. So like, I also understand why people like it. But simplicity is also intentional. Sure. Like, you know, I find that as I get older, mm -hmm. for example, mm -hmm. I wear a uniform. Mm -hmm. I wear the same thing every day, seven of seven. Yeah. And I don't need new or different things to validate it or nope. to make me feel better. It's just like, as you get older, mm -hmm. I think you start to develop, you just get a little bit more okay with you, I think. I mean, I used to love expressing myself through my clothing and mm -hmm. through the way that I would dress and through making clothes and through, like, I used to love that. My first job was at Buffalo Exchange when I was 16 and I had some <laughs> of the flyest vintage to this day. I can be like, okay, 16 year old Maggie. Yeah, like, you got it. Now I, express myself through Definitely. my creativity mm -hmm. on a daily basis that like, yeah, when I want to show up in the world, I just want to, I don't want to think about what I'm putting on. <laughs> and I also don't want, it's like, look at my work. Yeah. I don't, I don't need wanna, you to I don't like, need my identity to be my clothing. No. I need it to be my Yeah. Art. I don't yeah. need my identity to be my clothing. And if I'm wearing a new design, and I also think that like, I went through so many years as like a broke hmm. artist hmm. and as a broke young person. Yeah. That I was like, I didn't have any of that. Hmm. So it couldn't define me. Hmm. And so it was like, now that I'm like making money, hmm. I still don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't want. It's funny how that happens. I don't want a new Gucci handbag. I don't care. Yeah. Like genuinely. It just it doesn't care. move you <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and the sneaker thing is a funny thing. Like I was never into sneakers mm -hmm. because I could never afford sneakers. Yeah. 
ever. Hmm. I put on a pair of sneakers a couple years ago, and someone's like, wow, cool. Shit. Like, I'm like walking down the street with these sneakers on. <laughs> oh, my God. And I'm like, that's all I had to do to be cool was put on a pair of sneakers? Yeah. Like, that's that's cheating. <laughs> that's like, oh, I have money, so therefore I'm cool because you like my shoes. I'm like, that's not how, the, like, not how this, this is fun. Yeah. And it's fun that I it's can be fun. playful. I can, be, I can do it, be a part of it, but it, it's not. But it's like. It's a weird thing. I don't idolize people because of the way that they dress mm -hmm. or because they're wearing the newest cool. Like, I don't subscribe to that. Yeah. And so I kind of walk that line within myself of yeah. like, yeah, this is fun. Hmm. Doesn't define me. Doesn't define you. No. Tell me about. You clearly are like very in tune with creating, and, and that is your nature. As you were getting older, your later half of high school, and you're having these conversations about where you're going to go, what you're going to do mm -hmm. with your life. <laughs> and it's funny, we always phrase it that way. It's like, what? Who knows what they're going to do yeah, with their life I at 18? I still don't know what I'm going to do with my life. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Did you think you would go on to become like a working creative? Like, what did no. you... I mean, I didn't know. But like, I was pretty... By the time I was a teenager, I was like... Like I worked when I was, I always worked. Mm. And I like, as soon as I could get a job, I got a job, you know, whatever. Yeah. And so I was always pretty serious in that regard. Mm. Like I was always kind of like, okay, but I have to go to work or okay, mm. but. And so I was definitely like, I was like future minded, yeah. I guess. And when I looked around Portland, I was just, I felt really like it was just so small mm. and I just felt so stifled kind mm. of like, all right, what's next? Like, I know everybody. You know everything. Here. I know everybody. Like, what's next? And right. so, and I always knew that I was going to go to college because that's what I was supposed to do. <laughs> but I didn't ever think that, like, going to an art school was, like... The thing that you should do. I didn't think it was responsible. Why? I don't know. Because, like, artists don't make money. Hmm. <laughs> 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 I mean, I didn't think it was, like, well, what do you do with an art degree? Yeah. And I was, like so busy trying to like figure out how I was going to buy myself a car at 17. You know what I mean? Like I was just, like, so it wasn't like, that wasn't. That wasn't going through your head. I didn't know anyone who was making a living off of being an artist. Yeah. And so all of the stuff that I did was just stuff that I did. It was just, instead was of just, watching TV, I was. It was just hobby to you. That was just it was, something yeah. on the side. You watch keep a you movie busy. and I'm making, making a stuff. candle. I don't know. <laughs> so then what did you end up doing for school? So I just knew that I wanted to get out of Portland. Okay. I wanted to be in a bigger city. And I wanted to be in Los Angeles. Why Los Angeles? I don't know, because I was 17. Mm. Because it was close enough. Mm -hmm. Because it was sunny. <laughs> because it was big. Because... Hollywood and Los Angeles were alluring. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where all, everyone in the tabloids, like, they were doing cool stuff. Yeah. I think when you're in, like, a small, you're like... You're looking to see like, what else is town, out there. You're like, oh. <laughs> this is the big city. LA is yeah. the big city. You know? Yeah. And so I was just like, I'm going to go be in palm trees. And, like, <laughs> I did not get into USC. <laughs> <laughs> Let the record state. Yeah. <laughs> You didn't go to USC. I did not go there. I did not get in. And so then I was like, okay, well, UCLA seems too big. Where else can I go? Mm -hmm. What's this place called Loyola Marymount? I guess I'll just apply there. Hmm. And so what type of school is this? Hmm. Hmm. Sounds, <laughs> sounds like there's a story. Well, it sure, it sure was in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. And it sure was not any alternative school that I've ever gone to. Hmm. 
it was it's like a private Jesuit school. Okay. So it really is just like the opposite of everything Complete that I've ever opposite experienced. Of what you knew. <laughs> yeah, it was just like a private Jesuit school. Yeah. So why was that so difficult for you? There was just all these rules that didn't make sense. Hmm. Like what? I don't know. Like I couldn't be a freshman and take some black studies course that was for juniors because I couldn't do it. <laughs> because my because some old white man told me I couldn't possibly understand what was going on in the class. Interesting. Yeah. Really just like rules that didn't make sense. And I imagine you're a kid at that time that probably asked a lot of questions. I've always asked a lot of questions. Mm. Well, you met with resistance there for that behavior? My mom was, bless her heart, really good like at, but why? And she's like, well, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but why? And like always asking. She was, it was never like, because I said so, shut the f up. Yeah. So she was always really patient. Well, and so like, I always have thought outside the box. I've always been a creative thinker. I've always challenged stuff yeah. that didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. Even if that was authority. Hmm. And not in like a disrespectful way, no, but just like, just why like, is that the way? Why rule? is that the way? Yeah, that doesn't yeah. make sense, you know, whatever. So, anyways, I was at Loyola Marymount. It was not a good fit. Mm. How? I, so, you. I was there for a year. You stayed for a year. I was there for a year, and I was like, this isn't fun. <laughs> 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 and one. I don't, I, and it's like, and I don't, I'm, you know, it's like, I'm taking out student loan. Like, it was like, I was like, no. And were you done with college altogether? No, with that? I went to Santa Monica College, like, on and off, like a little bit after that. Yeah. And that was much like better. Hmm. It was just like people from all over the world. Yeah. And like, you know, it was like normal people. Yeah. So you clearly you don't like it. You leave. I leave. You go take some classes here and there. And are you of, working? I was kind of, yeah, I was working full time at Nordstrom, like working full time while I was also in school trying to like pay rent yeah. and do the thing. And were your parents helping you? In emergencies, yeah. I would be like, hey mom, I can't really need some cash. Yeah, but <laughs> not like not consistently and not in a way that ever felt okay. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I have never felt comfortable taking money from my parents. Mm. That has never felt like I said I've worked when I was in high school. Yeah. 15, 16, 17, 18. Mm -hmm. Like, I've had a job since I was 15. So, like, you know, growing up, it was like we didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. And so, like, if I'm asking my parents for money, it's like because I'm like, really? You know I what really I mean? Can't, and I'm like, can't make it right. Feeling really guilty about it. Hmm. And then my mom's like, by the way, you owe me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, I was luckily, like, in cases of emergency, I could be like, hey, mom, I really, really, really need help pay my rent next month. Mm -hmm. But that was not like, that wasn't a normal. That wasn't, it wasn't normal. A, you that were like every not, Friday were like, no. Mom, give me some money. That wasn't normal and it wasn't like cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you had you clearly you know had I mean? your, your principles. You were yeah, like, that was like a don't like that. No. And I don't like and having to ask. Yeah. And it also just didn't feel like it was there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it was always like, well, what I was just always aware of the sacrifices that my parents they made. Were making. You know, mm -hmm. and I never took that lightly. Hmm. I was always very aware of the sacrifices that my parents made. Wow. made so you know i always just knew that if my mom was sending me money to help me out with something that she wasn't spending money on something else hmm. there wasn't like a surplus of like cash just wasn't a money tree in the no. backyard <laughs> so i just was really like that being self-sufficient has been very important hmm. so then how was working at nordstrom's 
I mean, I was a hustler, so it was pretty cool. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, Nordstrom is a funny place because, like, you're straight. You're just making commission on commission on commission. Mm. So, like, people really create careers. Yeah. Right? Like, if, if I'm, like, selling enough, if I'm friends with paid. a bunch of shoppers, I'm like, yeah. hey, just come with, you know? Huh. And so, I would, like, watch, you know, the ladies that had been there for 20 years, just, like, they're kind of like, the thing. And I, and I, but I was like, okay, this isn't my life. <laughs> <laughs> I like looked around. I was like 19. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just turned 20. And I was like kind of studying business entrepreneurship mm. at Santa Monica. But I was like making fake business plans. <laughs> and I was like, this isn't how I learn. Huh. And I was like working full time at Nordstrom, opening yeah. and closing and then closing and opening and open. Like it's like, I was like, I just left here and it's the morning. And, and now it's the night. The same thing. And I was like, this isn't my life. And I was in like a relationship and this mm. was like the first time that I think that I really was aware of this like inner voice mm. like honoring it mm -hmm. as a young adult honoring this inner voice that like we're not taught to honor mm. because it goes against what society tells yeah. us it goes against what our parents want us to do mm -hmm. and I just blew everything up what do you mean I quit my job <laughs> I broke up with my boyfriend and I dropped out of college. Same year. Oh, like at the same time. Like maybe I just CC'd everyone on the same email. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with this chapter. Bye. Wow. It was like. Completely this. And it wasn't like I, I didn't have a plan. Yeah. I just knew. That wasn't it. It was none not it. Yeah. it. Nothing. None of it. None yeah. of it. And I was like, this isn't in alignment. And I'm just curious. What bills did you have to pay? At rent, that time. rent, car note, okay, car insurance, phone bill, phone bill. I might have been on a nine ninety nine family plan. Okay, maybe my <laughs> mom paid my phone bill. Um, um, so you still got responsibilities. Power, water, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. So and so, how much time did you have to like <laughs> in between? I like had like maybe a little bit of yeah. savings, okay. little, little, little. <laughs> And I, but I was just like, this is like, no. And I remember that that was kind of the first time, like really dropping out of college was like the first time that I had to like really stand in that mm. knowing because my mom was very disappointed. <laughs> and as a kid, you know, all I want to do is like make my mom proud. Of course. My dad, you know what I mean? And it's like, well, what are you going to do? And it's like, I don't know. And like, that's a that's really, asking, that's a right? bad answer. Yeah. When you're a kid, you're like, oh, you're dropping into college. What are you going to do? Well, I don't know. You're like, that sounds dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds dumb saying it. But I knew that it was we're not, not, it was like, I'm like, this yeah. is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Hmm. This is not good. This doesn't feel good. Mm -mm. It's not just like, I don't want to go to school. I mean, I didn't want to go to school, but it, I was good at school. I just, you were bored. I was like, this isn't right. <laughs> Something, I'm not happy. Yeah. I'm not happy. Nothing's lighting me up. I'm not excited. I'm not inspired. Mm. It's a no. Mm. It's a no for me, Doc. It's a no for me. So I, at the time, I just felt like consumed and I needed to get really clear and I needed to get back to this inner voice. Mm. And I was like consuming relationship, consuming school, consuming 40 hour a week, mm. like right. no. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was I had reached out to, there was this woman that used to come in and personal shop with me at mm -hmm. Nordstrom. And I didn't really know what she did. I knew she had like an online store, 
But what I really knew was that every time she came in, she would like drop like four grand with her eyes closed. <laughs> like, what? like she didn't blink. I'm like, what do you? Yeah, I'm yeah. like, um, that will be $2,400. She's like, yeah, it's fine. And I'm like, hmm. oh, panties, okay. Yeah, like what? Yeah, what do you do? <laughs> and so I, after I quit, I like wrote her an email and I was just like, hey, just wanted to let you know I'm no longer with the company. Um, I am looking for a very part-time, yeah. just really simple work. No, if yeah. you ever need any help with your store, yeah, just keep yeah. me in mind. Hmm. And she was like, great, come in Tuesday, you're hired. Did you know what she did at that point? No, I just you knew, still didn't she, know. I knew she had an online store. <laughs> okay, so you, you show up. So I show up. It's like this warehouse full of boxes. And what I didn't know was that she had... One of the things that she did was she had like a jewelry line, like a private label kind of hmm. jewelry. Her best friend owned a showroom okay. in the Calmart. Yeah. And so she was like, Freda, why don't you like put some jewelry in? She's like, okay. And so she would like find jewelry in Santiago. Like she would just like put a bunch of in the showroom. <laughs> like literally just a bunch of in the showroom. And then like buyers would come in and place orders on the stuff. And then she would send the sample that was in the showroom to China and mass produce it. Wow. Light bulb. Well, not yet. Almost. Not yet. Okay. So, I didn't know any of that. Yeah. So, I showed up to work the first day and my job was to quality control 2,500 necklaces that were being sent to BCBG. <laughs> so, you're just doing what? Just... Actually, yes. <laughs> Like a pile, yeah. tug, tug test, pass, great. Tug test, fail, no. 2,500. Did you have to do those in the day or the week? I, I probably, it probably took me more than a day. Yeah. I, but I know. said I wanted something chill, right? You said you wanted something yeah. chill. So yeah. then I show up to work. My next task is to tag 2,500 necklaces. Guess what I have to do after that? Bag, bag them. <laughs> 2,500 necklaces. No assembly line. Just you and you <laughs> and those necklaces. I asked for it, right? <laughs> so I was like, okay. I know that I said I wanted something mm -hmm. a little. This is but like. This is a little too slow. Come on. Yeah. And it would be one of those situations where you'd be like, whoa, wow, it's been a long day. <laughs> And you'd look at the clock, and you'd been there for like an hour and a half. <laughs> like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Okay. So I, would, I looked over in the corner, and there was this guy, kid, guy, who's yeah. like, I don't know, 20, 25, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Playing with the necklace scraps, the nose, the rejects. Mm -hmm. He was like messing around with the scraps with some pliers, making stuff. Hmm. Out of the rejects. For this for her, woman? For her line. Huh. And I saw him, and I was like, I do that. Hmm. I do. Like, you can do that. Yeah. I can do that with my eyes closed. <laughs> I could have done that for you when I was nine. <laughs> like, that's just what I do. Yeah. He's getting paid, paid. to paid. do that? Yep. So I go home after bagging 2,500 necklaces, and... 
I was so creatively frustrated. And I don't mm-hmm. think that I was really creating my, like, what are you creating in college? Like I wasn't creating, mm-hmm. I hadn't been in that space, mm-hmm. right? So I go home, I like spend whatever $45 I have to my name at this point. On, you like, spend all your, like all I your mean, cash? Almost. But a, a majority of your cash. Almost. Yeah. Cause I'm like, was I taking my, the bus to work? I don't know. Hmm. I bought some pliers. Mm-hmm. Bought some chains, bought some jump rings, bought some... This was when feather earrings were just starting to hit the scene, pre-Coachella. Okay. When you couldn't find them. Yeah. Okay? It's very hard to find. You had to know someone. Had to they, know they didn't exist. They were just starting. So <laughs> I go home, I spend my little money on some feathers, whatever. And I'm just like... Going at it. Yeah. And I cranked out like 20 pairs of earrings. Side note, me and my girls used to all get dressed and wear them to the club. <laughs> that was, a side note. was that your uh, was that your marketplace? No, it was no. just for fun. Just for fun. I never would sell them, but um, <laughs> I just have memories of that. But so I made like twenty pairs of these feather earrings, and I like very sheepishly brought them into work. Hmm. You wanted to show her. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, I like opened up my. And she's like, oh, yeah, you can design for my line. Really? Yeah. It was like two weeks in my sweatshop job. <laughs> and I got promoted. Did it feel weird to you that that's how quickly that it happened? And like literally the week before is your first time observing someone getting paid, doing something creative that you'd been doing since you were nine. And then you came back a couple of days later and now you can actually get paid to do that. Did you ever question that moment? No. I never questioned it. I questioned like how hard, I mean, I was getting paid like $10 an hour. <laughs> so, You're definitely so in a sweatshop. I, yeah, and I got promoted to designer, but I was still getting paid $10 an hour, okay? <laughs> um, I questioned, I would call my mom because I couldn't pay my bills and I was like so stressed. Yeah. I would question that, like, am I making the wrong Hmm. Like, am I do? Should doing I, you know? Thing. And she's like, "Well, Maggie, if it was easy, everybody would do it." Wow. So you're like, I'm like, you're right. And then she would always follow it up with, "Well, you could always come home and work at sales." <laughs> <laughs> and you would respond, "Gotta go." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so that I just kept putting one foot in front of the other. So yeah. I was like, I sh-, and she's like, okay. And then, okay, within a couple months, I was making samples. They were in the mm-hmm. showroom. They got picked up by BCBG. And I'm seeing my necklace that I made, the sample got sent out to China, on, I couldn't even shop at BCBG. Yeah. And, but that was all that my little, like, 20-year-old brain needed. Yeah. To be That's, like, oh, I, I got, got this. Something. Yeah. I can do this. Huh. And then within, had to be six months. Yeah. Nordstrom had bought one of my designs. <laughs> That's crazy. So literally so you went from like... that was the full circle that moment was the full where circle. I was like, I just quit being a sales associate at yeah. Nordstrom to Nordstrom then thinking that my design was good enough to carry okay. in their store and put their name on it. Hmm. And so I was like, all right, I got enough to keep going. That was one of the lessons was you got enough to keep going. Was there anything else you took out of that kind of 
full circle experience? I don't know. There's, I mean, on the spot, trying to think of it would, is like, it's kind of just like also just bullshit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, it was just like, it's just another lesson of the smoke in the mirrors of yeah. like. Kind of gatekeeping and things that you don't know and then you you find out and You like, see the inner workings and you're like, oh, yeah. that's how this is? I'm like, you just went to Santi Alley, took that mm -hmm. out of the alley, put in the thing and then they bought it and then they sent it back to trying to reproduce? I'm like, oh. That's the only thing, right? Okay. And we spend so much time not knowing these things and we build them up to be these really big, difficult scary things and then you get behind them and you're like this is not at all what i thought it was no. but that's the part about gatekeeping and that's the part about sharing stories mm. and i said this too where it's like i've never had a mentor hmm. like a me i've never like had a consistent person that you're your sounding board no. your road that's called me and been like what's going on with this you need to do that no mm. never but i have had some really amazing people that have opened doors mm. and invited me in mm. This and lady like, was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. How long did you stay doing that? I don't know. I was probably there for like a year and some change. Yeah. But I was like, I'm so poor. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I took another job. Okay. Where was this And so one? this job was making a little bit more money uh, in downtown. Okay. Downtown LA. Downtown yeah. LA in the Diamond District. Okay. And it was a friend of a friend had a family-owned like wholesale diamond company. Hmm in the downtown diamond yeah. district. So a whole nother world. Yes, I gotta imagine this is your first time probably being around diamonds and gold and all yeah. of this stuff. Oh, I didn't grow up with lots. <laughs> so I, they were like looking for someone to help with a website or something. And I was like, oh, I do jewelry. <laughs> and they responded. I'm like 22, mm -hmm. 21. Like, <clears throat> yeah, I do jewelry. And they're like, okay. So I, my job was to do this websites. People didn't really have websites. Yeah. And what so- time, what, what year is this? I mean, they had websites, but not everyone had a website. Okay. 2010, mm. 2009. Yeah. So not everyone had like, you know what I mean? For sure, sure. It wasn't like the, I absolutely need this to run my yeah, business. Yeah, yeah, and small businesses didn't mm. necessarily have them, right? And so they were kind of experimenting. It was this family-owned business. The brothers had taken over from the mm. parents. They were going to, like, revolutionize the business and, like, really. And so one of the brothers was playing around with search engine SEOs. Yeah. Downtown Diamond District. What happened? We, we pop up. <laughs> and so I was kind of this, like, customer service website. Like, my huh. job was to, like, get all the hot leads and yeah. pull them in the store. Right, right. You know, which was like, yeah, okay. And, but what got fun was, like, I always had to, like, sit in my little office, like, on the computer. But when the people came in, mm. I got to be on the sales floor. So and I got to sell mm. the jewelry to the people. Okay. And it really quickly turned into, you know, there would be these, like, all of these different, like, settings and stuff. And they'd be like, oh, I, I really want this, but. And I'd be like, yeah. And so I was, like, customizing. <laughs> I had all these custom ideas for, like, yeah. these things. Because you were talking to people. You knew kind of what they wanted. They didn't have it. Yeah. So then what did you so do? So then I would take custom orders for the store. Hmm. And at the same time, I was still doing my jewelry. Yeah. But I was learning about like casting and wax carving. And there was like a jeweler on site in What's the store. What's casting? Casting is like how we make pieces like into metal. Okay. It's like lost wax casting technique. It's like how real jewelry is made. It's yeah. not just like jump rings and <laughs> chains. I was graduating from my jump ring. <laughs> There was a jeweler on site. Mm -hmm. 
And I would just kind of like stare at him through the window. (laughs) (laughs) And I would ask him questions and he would like answer. But then he'd be like, you learn too fast. Like still gatekeeping. Yeah, because he could either be like, I'll give me $5 and I'll do that for you. But like he would like answer some questions and then I would like save my money and I would like go and buy like a wax file and a block of wax. And I would spend my weekend like filing away, like at the hardest wax ever because no one told me buy the softer wax. (laughs) This is what I mean. Like no one. No one's telling you the information. No one told me. So you're just trial and error, trial and error. Hmm. You have no idea. (laughs) And just knocking on doors, little doors in downtown Los Angeles in a building on a floor on a thing. Like, hey, is Sylvia there? I heard you. Maybe you can help. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. just, you're just interacting with strangers, asking for help. Where do you get this confidence to go talk to random people? It's not even a confidence. It's just like a desire to get it done. Hmm. I mean, I like talking to people, obviously. <laughs> Only child. I'm a talker. <laughs> but it wasn't, it's, it was still intimidating. It was still yeah. scary. The diamond industry specifically, like... Part of my job at that store was like, go run this upstairs, go take this down there, da 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 da. So I'd be like running around a piece of jewelry, like picking up a diamond, mm. taking a ring to a setter, and you just walk in and it's just all men. Hmm. And like, what do you want? Like, you're the f- secretary. Wow. You know, and that time was when I started dressing down. It was when I was like intentionally covering up and mm. wearing, like, I would wear like little boy blazers. Like, my boss would be like, you look like a little boy. I'm like, Precisely. Because you wanted to be taken seriously? I wanted to be taken seriously. Okay. I wanted to be respected. I mm-hmm. wanted, I didn't want men commenting on how I looked in the elevator and if I lost weight or what my tattoo said, trying to read the tattoo on my back. Oh. Like, that's the kind of stuff. That, that was happening. Yeah, and you're like, no, I'm here to work. Mm. Like, I'm really f- smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, all you see is, you know, it's like, what okay, let me, like. let me make this a little bit easier. Yeah. Doesn't stop. Doesn't stop. But it's a but it's a little bit like I'm not showing up in heels Mm -hmm. with my out. Mm -hmm. It sends a little bit of a different message. Hmm. And so that I think really is when I stopped wearing dresses. You know, just like really like over Over, like like, and 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 I had to course correct over the years. But it was like an over like having to like really be like go in and so lots of gatekeeping, lots of generational like. You know, people in the industry don't look like me. They don't come from, not Portland, Oregon, but there aren't black people. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's generational. It's like someone's dad was a diamond dealer, and so they're They're a diamond dealer. dealer. Someone's dad was a jeweler, so then they're a jeweler. Someone's dad was a diamond setter. And it was all taught. And so it's not only, like, capital resources, not only money. Mm -hmm. It's relationships. It's Hmm. knowledge. Someone told their son, this is the best brand of wax to use. (laughs) And they weren't willing to tell you that. that. If somebody just told you that. No. Hmm. And so it's like this inherited, like it's in their blood. Hmm. And so even to break in that. There's a whole nother And it is, it does go back to people having to like you and people having to respect you. Relationships, yeah. And having your, your reputation being, my reputation is all that I have. Right. And it's been built for the last 10, 11, 12, I lose, you know, years. But of like, I'm doing what I said I'm going to do, you know, and showing up and being good to people. And being consistent, right? Being consistent. So you have this experience. (laughs) You are experiencing a white male dominant Mm -hmm. environment. I'm not even white, though. Not even white. 
it's not even white. It's actually very specific because the building, the big building in downtown, it's the 550 building. It's mm -hmm. called the International Jewelry Center. Okay. I once heard a fun fact that 5% of the world's diamonds are in that building. Wow. Right? Yeah. In just that building. That's crazy. It's not white male. It's international no, male. Male. It's Lebanese, Armenian, Israeli, <laughs> Indian, yeah. Persian. But they're all male-dominant. It's all so patriarchal. Mm. Everyone's wives are either at home <laughs> or they're like Secretaries. helping. Mm -hmm. But it's men running the, you know what I mean? Yeah. And there's no like... No women in leadership. No women owning. No women at the front of it. Yeah. Wow. So it's almost worse. It's like almost like I don't know what's worse. But like culturally, it's just so, so. patriarchal yeah. that it's... It's not even white man. It's just men. It's yeah. It's really deep. Like wow. deeply, it's like deeply ingrained. <laughs> yeah. It's just what is considered quote unquote normal mm -hmm. in that space. Mm -hmm. Very normal. Tell me about then you end up working with this luxury designer. Yeah. So I did the downtown Diamond District. Little uncut Jemmy. Yeah. Little. <laughs> Like, not shady, but just like that energy of the de -de 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 wheeling yeah. and dealing and da-da-da. And I learned the basics of diamonds and, but like still very rough around the edges, that kind of gritty. Yeah. And uh, I was poached. You were poached? I was poached. <laughs> I was like outside, you know, on a break. And this fine fashion jewelry designer approached me. He's like, what do you, you know, I always see, what do you, you know? I was like, eh. And I was making stuff I had always made my own stuff on the side mm -hmm. and I had recently just kind of gotten like a few bigger commissions oh so you were actually getting paid this was like two years in okay I was probably with them for like two or three years mm -hmm. and I had just like just made my first <laughs> like I made how much money <laughs> you know what I mean like more money than I had made you know made but prior. Yeah. yeah and so I had just kind of like unlocked that like knowing in myself which Do is you like remember what that was yeah what was it it was like a <laughs> i had just on the one you know i'm just curious to know on that that, like that, that big commission yeah like specifically the piece yeah specific, the piece yeah yeah it was a piece for will i am when we return maggie learns that luxury is a luxury What's up, Claim of Stories fam? If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you've heard of Vistaprint, right? I mean, we've been doing a lot of incredible work together to inspire entrepreneurs of color, so we hope you're paying attention. Now, when it comes to printing things, and I mean just about anything for your business, whether it's stickers, t-shirts, tote bags, mugs, and even snapback hats, Vistaprint's got you. They print just about everything. So as you look for ways to help your small business stand out, think Vistaprint. The printabilities are endless at vistaprint.com. Hey, it's Bima. Welcome back to the Claim of Stories podcast. So it's 2015, and Maggie is now making substantial money as a designer after landing Will I Am. I had always been making jewelry and I would just kind of like, I was never trying to sell it on the side, but I would make it and I would post it. Yeah. I would like sit outside all day <laughs> on my weekends and I would make stuff and then I would share it. Where were you sharing it? 
Instagram. <laughs> this is also the beginning of Instagram, you know? Yeah. And so then my friends around Los Angeles or people just kind of knew me as like the jewelry girl. <laughs> and so I would have like a stylist friend reach out and be like, hey, I have a shoot with Kendrick Lamar tomorrow. Yeah. I'm like, who's some- Kendrick Lamar? <laughs> <laughs> Swear to God. <laughs> Swear to God. I'm like, yeah, okay, I guess. Ugh. And I'd like be like, here's some stuff. And I was just like, that's LA. Yeah. That's the magic. And that's, that's the secret that's sauce. That's what you went for, right? That's the secret sauce of LA. You're just there. You hand the thing. The thing that you made was in a thing, you know? Yeah. All of a sudden, you're at Diddy's house. Whoop. How did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> One morning, you wake up. It's a normal Saturday morning. The next morning, you know what I mean? Like, you just yeah. don't. It's just a part of the... It just happens. Yeah. And that's the secret. That's why you're there. Yeah. So, I had been doing, you know, stylists had been kind of... This yeah. was also like style, the stylist was becoming a thing, mm-hmm. right? So um, a girlfriend of mine was like assisting styling with Will for some stuff. And she was like, oh, Matt, you know. And so I had made, I think the first piece that I did for them was um, he had just done a song with Britney Spears, the Scream and Shout. Yeah. And in the, in the video, there's Scream and Shout rings. Come on. <laughs> I made those. What? I made those in like 24 hours. In 24 hours? Yeah, it was the whole thing. They always needed things in 24 hours. It, like yeah, I would always kill myself. To, yeah, I'd be like, okay, I'll make yeah, it happen. I'll do it. <laughs> <sighs> Man, those days. So that was like the beginning, you know? Yeah. And then it would be like he had a thing, and then he needed a thing. And then we he was like in like a very futuristic. Yeah, I remember And that. so he had like this like part mm-hmm. that went down his head. And so he really wanted a gold stripe. <laughs> For his part, it was it was really cool. Yeah, gold stripe with a di- half a carat diamond set in the back. Come on. So, the, but I also literally had like four or five days to make it. So, like, I had to engineer this thing, and then I had to like drill these holes, and then I had to like cut hairpins and like try and laser them in so that they would stick in his, his hair. hair. So it was like, and I had like you know, like by the way, we need this Friday. I'm like okay, and it was like in that. Where I was like starting to get committed, it was like that. I made gold and yeah. di- like I made, you know. You're making these things. And I was like, I remember my first check, and I was like, Oh, uh, this is the most money I've ever had in my bank account ever. Hmm. And I remember like it was actually really like a very magical moment for me because I remember like any type of like envy or resentment or like frustration or jealousy that I ever had like towards other kids who had money help money or help mm. who didn't worry mm. about paying their rent yep. or how I was like oh you can't buy this feeling and I get goosebumps when I tell the story I'm like you can't buy yeah. that feeling you don't have to worry about if you could pay your rent if money's going to be in the account as soon as that happened I knew after that point that I was always going to be able to take care of myself. Wow. That must have felt really nice. I am getting goosebumps telling you about it because it that was like an unlocking of like, be like, oh, trust fund, no trust fund. It's all good. Because hmm. you knew you, you had you, something. I have this thing yeah. that you can't take. And you that can't you easily can't go buy, find. <laughs> that I <laughs> did on my own and it... it I don't have the words for it really, but it was this knowing and it was like this, like, you know? Yeah. And so that was like the first time I had ever felt that. And it was like a sense of peace. It was a sense of confidence. It was a sense of like security and safety that I had like given myself. 
That was the first time. That was the first time. Okay, so and now tell so, me about Ron. So then <laughs> Ron poached me. And I was kind of, and in that time, I was kind of like, well, am I going to go out on my own and do my own thing? Because obviously I'm popping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I was like, okay, like I didn't need to take work. I finally wasn't, I also finally was not making decisions from a place of like scarcity. Right. You weren't in survival mode like, anymore. Right. Hmm. I mean, I think that I existed within scarcity, like mindset after that, but I wasn't in survival mode. Hmm. And what so does that do to your creativity? <sighs> it opens everything up. Mm. When you're not trying to count and measure and pinch and mm. this and that. And that was also, I mean, one, that was a beautiful thing working with Ron. Mm. There was a lot of beautiful things working with Ron. But one of, you know, I was like rough around the edges. I was scrappy. <laughs> and I love scrappy backy. Yeah. But like... Ron taught me about luxury. Hmm. What was the difference? No scarcity involved. What do you mean? Well, like one of the lessons that I kind of go back to or one of the, like the moments was like, I remember, you know, Scrappy Maggie, I'm costing things and we're pricing. I'm price conscious when I'm designing and how yeah. much does this cost and how much does it cost the client and does it look like, you know? Hmm. And he would do things like I remember picking up one of his pieces and it was like this heavy gold chain necklace and it had this like toggle clasp and the clasp goes to the back of your neck. And on the ends of the toggle, he had little diamonds set. <laughs> and I saw it. And I was like, why would you put diamonds on a, the back of the necklace? No one sees those. <laughs> My hair would be, you know. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, but she sees them when she picks up her necklace to put them on. Hmm. What? <laughs> We're throwing money away like that? <laughs> like that concept, was that freedom had never, I'd never felt that freedom. Mm. Wow. We're putting diamonds somewhere that no one's going to see them? Yeah. Like that's luxury. That when you're not luxury. wearing your diamonds for everyone to see, they're like hidden and they're only hidden. you know that they're there. <laughs> and that's the confidence. That's the knowing. That's the, wow. you know what I mean? Yeah. So like that, it was moments like that that I think were, and it just really like refined my eye and helped me see mm. like imperfections and like, no, that's not supposed to look like that. <laughs> you know? Wow. So that was like a cool polishing. Learning with Yeah, Ron. Yeah, learning with, you know, someone who had been doing that for 20 years. Yeah. But you would end up leaving from Ron's company probably two years later. Two years later. It was right? like exactly two years. And this time it was on your own accord. Yeah, this time, again, it kind of goes back to that, like, knowing. <laughs> so the first year that I was with him, it was amazing because I was, like, what, 24? Okay. 24, 25? And we would go to, like, luxury jewelry shows in Vegas, and it was just, like, this whole world. And I was, like, whoa, I'm a baby. <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, and I just saw, like, a whole other world. Yeah, you never... Been and I was learning and about this existed. whole, right. I was learning about this whole other world. And so that was really cool. And then I kind of, you know, he hired me to do sales, which, yeah, I, you know, but I really dove into like product development, Yeah. you know, and merchandising, marketing, product development, build the case, do the yeah. thing, drop yeah. it. Love product development. Because <laughs> you're like solving a problem with design, right? Right, right. 
But in that second year, I just started to go to work every day. And I was just like, I mean, it sounds so dramatic, but the way that I describe it, it was like, I just like a part of me felt like I was dying every day that I went to go build someone else's dream. Because you were because like, you, I, you recognized that it was you. I knew that I needed, I owed it to myself, hmm. that I needed to try it out for myself. Because hmm. I knew that I could do it. I wow. knew that I could. And so to show up and to ignore that, yeah, it was like my spirit was just like breaking. Hmm. And so he sat me, you know, and he was just like, I got to clip your wings. You got to. You got to go. You got to do it. You got to go do your thing. So you decide to go do your thing. And I got to, there's a couple of questions that I, I have to ask you about this. Mm-hmm. You spoke about your reputation. Mm-hmm. Is that why you decided to name your line Maggie Simpkins? No. What was the? No. No. It's because I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's because I'm terrible with names. <laughs> I love finding this. I was like, it's not that deep. No, it's like, I started my jewelry line. I'm like, what am I going to call it? I'm going to call it Magnolia. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I don't know. And it was just me making the stuff. (laughs) There was no thought behind it other than I did not have an alternative. Yeah. It was like, this is, so did you feel like you were back in survival mode? No, I just mean I didn't have an alternative name. Oh, okay, okay. I just had nothing better. Like, nothing cool. (laughs) I was like, well, guess it's just Maggie Simpkins. (laughs) And that was just me. And then I just did it. You did. That was it. Where did you get the money to to start? So the way that I started was... (sighs) I quit. Yeah. I had a little bit of savings. (laughs) And I spent the first three months working on a collection hmm. and I I was making things out of brass okay why brass mm, because diamonds and gold were scary <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and very expensive and, <laughs> and because I had always made stuff out of brass yeah. and because I always kind of thought because I still didn't really feel like the because di- I was still very intimidated by the gold and diamond world hmm. It was, like, one thing to work under someone in it, but to, like... You showing up Yeah, no, you? still so, you know, to break mm-hmm. in. Again, like you say, like, <laughs> cost materials are, you know? Yeah. So I thought I was going to do, like, a high-end fashion-y jewelry line. Yeah. You know? It's like, okay, well, I know buyers now, and, like, I've kind of played this game, and, like... So I spent the first three months kind of, like, product developing mm-hmm. this collection. Yeah. And this woman I knew at the time, we flew out to Dallas. She was repping a bunch of lines. What's in Dallas? A show or? Neiman Marcus. Neiman Marcus. Okay. And she was like, well, why don't you just come with me and show them your stuff? Hmm. I was like, okay. And I came with them and I showed them my stuff. And I think that like Kylie Jenner had worn one of my necklaces and they're like, okay, that's fine. That's cool. Like, I know. So silly. It's LA. (laughs) Through a stylist? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's so funny because it means nothing. (laughs) It's like, I wasn't rich because Kylie was wearing my necklace. It was literally just. Just what it was. Like, bragging points. Yeah. Like, no one cares. <laughs> and so I think they were kind of like, yeah, okay, we could try you out as dropship. Hmm. Which would mean, like, they would, like, show my earrings on the website. And then 
if a customer bought them, I would be responsible for actually shipping them. And then I would get paid. Okay. And I was like, okay. And I got back to Los Angeles and I never followed up. Hmm. Why not? Because I was like, that's not going to get me out of bed in the morning. Mm -hmm. Like shipping a pair of brass earrings to a Neiman Marcus client, like doesn't mean anything to me. Hmm. Like there's something that's like not, it's just not going to get me out of bed. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. (laughs) I was like, quit my job and I was like because I had always had all this momentum around the jewelry and this and that and I kind of this first year I quit my job and I was like okay world I'm here (laughs) this is you on Instagram no just like (laughs) calling out in in the world yeah Yeah. yeah. and I was like I'm doing my stuff full time (laughs) I know I only had like 10% before now you got me you know it's like crickets nothing just like what this is weird hmm. it always works like, what's just going nothing. on no it wasn't working so what did you do so then i developed a workshop like teaching other people mm-hmm. okay to kind of just like shake things up <laughs> just like get out like because i liked people i like people yeah, i like talk to, I, you know around you want to engage it's a human connection i knew that i liked the human connection and i knew i liked like connecting with the end wearer yeah. so like i did a couple trunk shows i developed a couple workshops the workshops were fun because i would like go around and do them at like places <laughs> and it was it was fun because it it finally for the first time allowed me to step into like being the authority mm. being the expert mm-hmm where I'd always been like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. How do I do this? How do I do it? Can I see, you know? Yeah. And then you'd have like the CEO of PayPal or something tapping you and be like, am I doing this right? And you're like, what? <clears throat> yes, you are. Keep going. Great job. <laughs> <laughs> That's an insane network. <laughs> so it was like, it allowed me to step into owning mm-hmm. a little bit of that yeah but it still was like hmm, what's the thing so it wasn't until about september or october of that year year. so i went on my own in january okay okay Mm -hmm. first three months collection neiman marcus workshops fall okay fall hits what happens a friend of mine who used to be a stylist Hmm. who used to pull jewelry from me. Yep. Put it on Easter Ray when she was an awkward black girl. Wow. Okay? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hit me up, and he said, I want to propose to my girlfriend. Can you make me an engagement ring? Hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. And it was the first, you know, I've made them, but it was the first time I had ever done it on my own, mm-hmm. not working under someone, under someone else, not like, like having someone's original. like company or shadow to hide behind. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's Maggie calling from so-and-so. By the way, I just want to get this one. You know, whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, okay, I can do that. So I spend the next like six weeks, six to eight weeks. <laughs> he was in the Bay. We were working remote. I was yeah. like, this is chill. You know what I mean? I like, you know, so he comes into town. He comes to Los Angeles for a wedding and we meet up. And I give him the ring. And, like, looking back, this is the best possible person this could have ever (laughs) happened with because he's, like, the biggest teddy bear. But he's, like, so animated and kind of dramatic and just, like, so – he just embodies all of his feelings. And so I get there. I give him the ring. He opens the box. (laughs) And he's, like, 
It's so, it's so fucking beautiful. It's so, it's so, it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's most, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. He's like, it's like, he's choking back. He's like tearing up his whole everything. Yeah. It was like this like tangible experience. What he was going through was I was like witnessing this experience. He couldn't hide it. And I'm like, Hmm. you know, I get goosebumps when I tell this story too. I always hated when I went out on my own and I would be like part of these like things and people would be like, what's your why? <laughs> like I'm getting paid to be creative. Isn't that good enough? <laughs> and I hated that question. Mm-hmm. And when he opened the box mm-hmm. and when he had his experience, you knew that was my why. Yeah. I was like, that is why I make things. That will get me out of bed in the morning. This means something. Mm-hmm. This means something to me. That is my why. If I'm going to bring more stuff into the world, I want to make people feel like that. Wow. And it was just like, ding. Huh. And it was like the last little thing clicking into place where it was like, alignment achieved. <laughs> <laughs> and I swear to God, that happened the next month. I got an email. I want an engagement ring. (laughs) The next month, I got an email. I want an engagement ring. The next month, I got two emails. And I never, after I made that ring, I never wondered when my next job was going to come, if I was going to be able to pay my rent. Like, I have not ever wondered (laughs) if more work is going to come. It was just... Your work was its own referral. It was its own referral. It's a piece that someone wears on their hand every day. Yeah, it's the best marketing. (laughs) And if you're good at it, and if you're good to people, and if they care, you know, people are stoked, and it is. It's the best marketing because it's so funny. Like, I had someone break it down. They're like, well, I don't sell. Hmm. I don't sell Hmm. anything. I'm not here to sell you anything. People have already sold. You're already sold. sold. You're already (laughs) sold by the time. Someone talked your ear off. Oh, my God. I went to Maggie. I did this thing. I did it. I just show up. I'm like, what do you want to make? <laughs> I'm not here to sell you anything. I don't want to sell you anything. Come mm. back when you're yeah. when you are sold. Yeah. Like that's not my game. Mm-hmm. I'm just here to make stuff. Wow. And like have fun. Yeah. And that was that was the end of 2015. Wow. And then business just started to go. It's just like turned into this thing <laughs> that I never could have dreamed of. Yeah. Do you have any help now? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have like two really amazing, I have a girl in New York helping me part-time and I have a girl in LA helping me part-time, both doing different things. And I'm really bad at asking for help. (laughs) I am like not a CEO, like I'm not like a man, like I'm like, I'll just do everything. You like to create. You're like, no, I want to do this. I don't know if I can trust you to do this really simple menial task. (laughs) Like, it's like I've let go of like the trust issues. I'm like, if it happens, if it happens, it happens, whatever. But like, it's still just hard for me to delegate. And like, I'm still like scaling has been hard. How do you scale a very personalized, very custom? Right. Right. Handing off my production to someone. Hmm. I'm like, wait, did you forget the little (laughs) D? I'm not a micromanager, but like, did you, you do that? You can't help it. You're very like yes. passionate about you know? your 
hard. So it's been <laughs> hard. And like figuring out how to scale is hard. Figuring out how to grow it in a way that feels sustainable and authentic is hard. Mm. Figuring out how to exist outside of my engagement ring jewelry box that I've kind of put myself in is hard. <laughs> it's hard to start over. Hmm. Like, it's hard to, like, be the beginner at something else. Yeah. It's like, oh, now I'm, like, and I say this, like, jokingly, but, like, master of my craft. Hmm. But, like, I'm supposed to, like, go learn how to, what, design a sneaker? <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm going to be bad again. <laughs> I don't know if I have it in me to be bad forever again. I don't know if I want to I don't know if I want to be bad. Yeah. Wow. It's a good exercise, right? Like allowing yourself to be bad and stuff. It's It's, very uncomfortable. It might also inspire back to your core competency. Tell me about 2021. (laughs) 2021, there's a lot of headlines go out. Yeah. Maggie Simpkins, million dollar ring, breaking records. Now, I imagine that work had to start way before <laughs> that. So how did that come about and a million dollar ring? What's up? I think it goes back to what I said before about people opening doors mm. and people taking, giving you opportunity, taking chances on you. And it's so funny because, you know, whether we're talking about Will I Am, because mm-hmm. let me be clear, what he did was intentional. Mm. He could have had any jeweler off the street I was 24. He knew what he was doing. Wow. Like that's, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he was like, wow, this is dope, mad cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he knew what he was doing, yeah. you know? And so that goes back to like 2021 was one of those moments where like, <sighs> it's funny because we don't always see ourselves the way that the world sees us. Mm-mm. And, like, I still see myself as, like, Maggie from Portland, (laughs) you know? Or, like, Maggie, I'm taking the bus downtown to go to work, you know, 2020 was so interesting Mm. for obvious reasons. Mm -hmm. It was interesting. We were in lockdown. It was quiet. It was so peaceful. There was nothing that we were supposed to. I was actually, like, in a really serious state of peace because there was nothing I was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. I Like, the hustler in me could, yep. like, chill. Yep. And that was really, like, actually a really beautiful time for my spirit, I think. But um, summer 2020 hits, and all yep. of a sudden, it's like the machine is like, Black people, where mm-hmm. are they? Mm-hmm. Where's the black this? Where's the black? Elevate. Black voices. But 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 and all of a sudden you're like, wait, I'm just still grieving and more, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you're like, I'm not press pitching, Mm-mm. but business started. People were like, pay, started paying attention. Hmm. And so there was a little bit of growth there. You yeah. know what I mean? It has been steady growth. It's been steady growth. People but have this been was like growing, a different. But it was a different energy. Yeah. Opening up after the pandemic. Look, I was busy during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. People were bored. Mm-hmm. People were falling in love. Yeah. And people were like, well, this gives us something to look forward to. I was busy regardless. Yeah. The black thing was interesting because it put a different, you just had people being like, well, it's really important to us that a black designer makes a ring. It's like, all right, <laughs> sick. Yeah. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Who cares if I'm talented? Uh, <laughs> but okay, cool, great. I'll take that. Yeah. I'll take that, you know? I'm saying. So on the heels of that, 
there's a really, really incredible woman uh, named Melanie Grant who's out of the UK. Mm. And I think she had just released a book. She did like a coffee table j- fine high art jewelry book. She's she, like a journalist or? She's like a journalist. Jewelry expert. Okay. She's like a journalist, like jewelry lover turned expert, like okay. yeah. fascinated, but like did this really cool coffee table book interviewing like, I don't know, 250, like wow. a lot of fine high jewelry art designers and she had been working with Sotheby's I think on around that and um she had just pitched to them like nobody knows who the black designers are let's do a selling exhibition you want to do like you want to help the black community like where are the dollars like I want the collectors to be spending money with black artists so she pitched this exhibition and um I had met her maybe in 2020, because she had found me on IG and she'd reached out very casually, like mentioned me in a Vogue UK article or something as an engagement. Yeah. And then she reached out to me top of 2021 and was like, I have something I want to talk to you about. Call me, you know, and I like call her on a Friday and I'm like, what are you thinking? You're just like casual catch up. Okay. No, I mean, I hardly knew her, but Mm -hmm. I was like, this woman casually mentioned me in a Vogue UK article, what could she possibly want <laughs> on a Friday afternoon? Yeah. Hello, yes, <laughs> madame. What's up? <laughs> you know, and she's like, darling, she's so fabulous. <laughs> and she was telling me about it, and she was like, I've been working with Sotheby's, and I pitched them, I want to do a selling exhibition with 20 fine jewelry artists from all over the world, and I want you to be a part of it. And I'm, like, mid-picking up dog in my backyard. <laughs> like, I'm, like, on the phone with her, like, yeah. cleaning up, watering my plants. Right. And I'm, like, what? <laughs> Me? Does she know she... What? Did you have imposter syndrome? I guess. But, like, I thought I had imposter syndrome when I was, like... I guess it was just another level of imposter syndrome. Hmm. Where it was, like, I thought I had imposter syndrome when I was, like didn't really have a jewelry line Mm. or when I was in Vegas at a jewelry show or when I was like forced to be in Neiman Marcus Beverly Hills merchandising a case but I couldn't even afford the valet Mm. (laughs) like that's when I felt like I had imposter syndrome because I didn't feel like I deserved to be in those spaces but I guess it just was that like I've always been this like scrappy independent not backed jewelry Mm. designer kind of doing my own thing yeah no one was really paying attention. No one really gave a f- And then here comes And then all of a sudden, this, phone call. this woman in the UK wants me to be one of 20 black fine jewelry artists to exhibit at Sotheby's, like the oldest yeah. auction house. Yeah. That's what you think of my work? Wow. Whoa. Whoa. That's pretty crazy. So that, when you talk about transformative moments, it was, that was the moment, Hmm. right? Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe we're not looking at the same picture. Like maybe I need to reevaluate what I'm looking. How I see myself. Yeah, like what? (laughs) So we're talking and she's explaining and she's like, my whole goal in this is I really want people to know who the black artists are. I want, you know, they have generations of collectors. Mm -hmm. I want these collectors to know who you are who you guys are. And, you know, my goal is five years from now, we have collectors spending money with you. And, you know, one of you guys is doing a million dollar sale. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, a million dollars in sales. She was like, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, a million dollar 
in sales? And she was like, no, a million dollar piece. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) what's a million dollar piece? Hmm. Like I couldn't even picture what a million dollar piece was. Yeah. Again, I'm like, this is my, I'm like, oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A million dollar piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, No no big deal. Casual. Hmm. Okay, cool. All right, great. Cool. And I, because I had said to her, I was like, what's the parameters? Yeah, I was going to say, what's the brief? What's what's the the brief? Okay, so you want me to make three pieces? Great. If there ever was a time to spend a marketing budget, this would be it. (laughs) Yeah. Right? So, like, tell me, what do you want me to make? Like, what's the arena? And she's like, well, I, you know, there'll be pieces at $1,500. There'll be some at, you know, 10 to 20. Probably some at, you know, 30 to 40, maybe even something at 100. I'm like, okay. Great. And it was very much like whatever you feel comfortable with, whatever you feel safe with, we're just happy that you're going to participate. There was no rules. Wow. I was like, okay, cool. So you just had a Great. Blank so I was like, whatever, worst case scenario, I make something that's more on the inexpensive side and mm-hmm. I just use my money. And this is, if there's, I've never spent money on marketing, PR, marketing. whatever. And yeah. I was like, okay, if there's ever a time to invest in, this is now. Okay, mm. great. So I was like, all right. <laughs> Let me figure it out. So that afternoon, this is a Friday. That afternoon, I drive downtown. And like in our industry, it's like people will buy gems and they'll, you know what I mean? It was very common for me to have like some guy on the street to be like, hey, 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 you, I have like a parcel full of rubies in my safe. It's been there for 12 years. Like, can you just like make something and try and sell them? And I was like, that's not how my business model works. I'm not just going to make like, no. Yeah, you know? no, I'm not doing it. But I was kind of like, all right, I'm obviously going to invest whatever I can into these pieces, but let me see what else I can get my hands on, mm-hmm. right? So I go downtown. I have errands to run. I bop into one of my diamond dealer's offices, and I'm meeting with him. I, I think I'm meeting about something else. And yeah. I was like, okay, I also have to tell you. I got a really exciting call. I can't really tell you what it is. <laughs> but I have an opportunity to show these pieces at a major auction house. And I was just said, you know, if you have anything laying around that you, like, don't care if I work with, mm-hmm. I'm just putting it out there. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> I was like, uh, <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> like, what do you got? Yeah. And he's like, He's like going through his box full of diamonds, and he's like, "Yeah, I have this twelve carats." He like throws this thing at me, and he's like, "I have this twelve carat something something blah blah." He's like, "This one's like two hundred fifty thousand. I was like, "Hmm, okay. What else you got?" Yeah. You know, and he like throws this thing. He was like, "Yeah, yeah, this one blah blah." This one. And I was like, "These are stunning. These are really great, but something like the clarity was too low." Hmm. I was like, "Think like I'm like these are beautiful, but like yeah. think collector." Yeah. And he was like, "Oh." I have something for you. And I was like, what? And he like throws this metal box at me. <laughs> yeah. He was like, and it, he was like, oh yeah, it's like a two voila, internally flawless pink diamond. He's like, this one's like, Meh. and I was like, what? <laughs> what? Okay, great. Ooh. Glad to know you've got stuff. You don't take it. No, I was just like, I have to process. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to make. Yeah. I was like, cool. Glad to know. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I'll be back. Hmm. And I'm like driving home 
And I'm like, this man just offered me a diamond to make the million dollar piece. <laughs> what? Yeah. So I call Melanie and I'm like, <clears throat> actually, I WhatsApped her because I was too scared to call her. And she's in the UK <laughs> and I like send her a text. And like, eh. So I sat with it all weekend and I like mm. talked to her on like Sunday or Monday. And I was like, hey, Mel, do you remember that million dollar piece that you mentioned? She's like, yeah. I was like, I think I have the opportunity to make it. Hmm. She's like, hmm. well, I think you have to do it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and now imagine since you told her, it's kind of like, you know, you know, once you tell someone something, they kind of get hooked on it. Well, it was the magic in that Friday afternoon where she had called me. And she had presented this opportunity. And I was like, excuse me? Hmm. And then I had gone downtown. And the people that I work with, the relationships that I have built, right. when you talk about, like, showing up and be, you know? Yeah. They're like, yeah, I got you. Wow. And I was like, what? Yeah. What? Hmm. I'm capable of what? Hmm. Like, I didn't even believe it. Yeah. And then when people found out I was doing it, they're like, she's doing what? <laughs> like, people in the industry were like, how did you do that? And I'm like... I don't, I don't really know, to be honest with you. But Melanie planted the seed. Yeah. You just acted on it. Yeah. So it was just like between her and my diamond, like they just both were like, yeah, great. Like they just opened these doors. They, you know, and I was just like, I guess I have to do it. How long did it take you from then on to... I had like two months. Yeah, two months. <laughs> to do that. Uh, yeah, it was like, I think it was like two months, maybe a little bit less. Wow. And were so you just, doing other things? Or I was doing, this was... yeah, I was running a whole custom business. <laughs> and I made, th I made three pieces total wow. for the show. Yeah. And so I was making, it was like, for whatever reason, the million dollar ring and the peacock ring were like technically mm -hmm. the most complicated because they were cast in like five separate pieces. And I had to like, I cast those pieces so many times. So like, <laughs> it was like, so it almost killed me. <laughs> but it was like so, I was so hell-bent on everything being as perfect as possible. Yeah. What was the resolution of that moment? The resolution of that moment was I, well, it was the show in September. Mm -hmm. And walking in that room and finally feeling like I deserve to be there. Wow. I wasn't even conscious of it until afterwards. Hmm. You're kind of in shock. Well, you probably were absolutely in shock. Well, it, I wasn't aware of it. It was like walking in that room and having that show, and it was like a big party. It was like a celebration, because it wasn't just mine. No, right, it was yeah. a collective oh. thing, but like what I was going through, I think was, everyone else was kind of too. going through that It's in hmm. some form. Yeah. And so it was like this collective, like, we deserve to be here. Hmm. Was that your first time being around that many designers of color, black designers? Designers, designers of color. Yeah. Yeah. I'm into that and I'm by myself. You know? I don't, I'm not like industry, mm -hmm. you know? And it was this, for me, that moment, that night represented like the decade of scrappiness mm -hmm. and the decade of not knowing where I was going, but putting one foot in front of the other. And all the times I called my mom and I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> and all the times I took the bus down, down the way, you know, 
all of it was just like, yeah, this is this why. This is your moment. This was my line. This is what I'd like. Because you don't, in those times, like you don't know what you're working towards exactly yeah. because you don't know that it's ever going to happen. Be a thing that you just real. put one foot in front of the other. Right. And so to finally arrive at a place that feels like you made it and that you can finally like stop worrying about if you're ever going to make it. Yeah. And it's so silly because it's like it doesn't in the grand scheme of things it doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but it's like again what it kind of unlocks in you. It was yeah. like the moment that I made my first whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? It's another it, level of belief. It's another level of belief in self. Right, like it just expands. Like I, it's, you just continue to expand. I could, and I couldn't have bought it. Like no. you can't buy that feeling. Mm -mm. You can only work an entire decade for it. And the moment comes. Yeah. You and, never know when. And it was, you never know when. And <laughs> like, that's what it was, where it was like, I've arrived at feeling like, and then since then, I think the best gift was just not, it was like I ended up going to like the Gem Awards a year later. <laughs> and it was so funny because I was like, I had so much fun. <laughs> and the next day I was like, I didn't realize it at the time. I was just having fun. And I felt like I was with peers and friends. Yeah. And the next day I was like, I didn't ever once feel like I didn't deserve to be there. Wow. What an incredible feeling. Yeah. What happened to your business after that? I mean, just hmm. so much. <laughs> the thing that's like so tricky, you know, and I'm like, just to be so real, it's like, I was exhausted. I had met like full burnout mode activated. Yeah. Like I was, it's so funny because there's like this celebration going on and mm -hmm. there's this like, Maggie Simpkins, yeah. yeah. and I'm just like, He's like, hey, like, I, I'm I like, need to go take a break. I needed a nap, like, <laughs> constantly. Mm -hmm. And so I look back on that time, like, so grateful. And I look back at that time being like, yeah, what would have happened if I had, like, a whole, like, thing locked and loaded to, like, launch? And, like, that would have been so cool. But, like, oh, wow. I didn't have... You didn't have the capacity to go do any, that. <laughs> I didn't have the capacity to do anything, you know? And so it's, I think, you know, it's been like a great lesson. Like, I just don't really need anything. Hmm. I just like feel really free of like needing to prove anything to myself or anyone else anymore. Like, I just like don't need, that I did it, I did it, yeah, I did it, it's done. I don't need any. It's mm -hmm. like everything else is for fun. Wow. Everything else feels good. Everything else is curiosity. Everything else is creativity. Yeah. Everything else is trying something new that I haven't done or like making things more efficient or giving someone else an opportunity, mm. you know? I love that. But it's like, I don't need. You don't need that stuff. What do I need? Yeah. To be, rec you know, like to, for what? Yeah. Tell me. As you think back through these periods mm -hmm. and where you've come from mm -hmm. and the information you didn't have mm -hmm. and not observing someone that's a creative making a living out of this. Yeah. Right. And you think to where you've been able to get to now mm -hmm. and you got so much more in front of you and so much more to figure out. But there's someone else that's observing you. Yeah. There's a younger person observing yeah. you, maybe older person observing yeah, yeah, yeah. you. What advice would you give them? as they're trying to find their identity as a creative and if that's actually the path that they should go on? Well, if that's the path they should go on would probably depend on their tolerance for discomfort. 
Because hmm. there's nothing comfortable about hmm. my journey. Mm -hmm. There's nothing comfortable about being creative or like forging your own path. Like if you want comfort, go work at sales. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not sales, but like if you want comfort, just go do something else. You yeah. know what I mean? I think it just takes a lot of time of like sitting with yourself and being really real with yourself. Mm. And to, like, really create for yourself and not for other people. Because at the end of the day, it's like, I make things because it feels good to make things. Not because I actually want accolades for making things or because I want other people to think it's cool. You know what I mean? Like, I have to like the lifestyle that comes along with spending my time making stuff and tinkering and experimenting and failing and then having to figure it out again. And, you know... I did not have a traditional education in any of this. Mm. I really learned as I went along, and I asked a lot of questions to a lot of different people. Mm. I think that for me, learning hands-on was the way that I had to do it. I had to see the way that Ron ran his business. I yeah. had to see the way that the Freda ran her business. I had to see the way that the family owned it, you know? Yeah. And I was like, yes, a little bit of that, a little bit of that, definitely not. A <laughs> little bit of that, you know, like what? Because not it's not entrepreneurship, creativity. It's not one size fits all. Mm. You really have to like, you know, and I think that more than just like being a creative and like designing a thing, it's like, I'm trying to design my life. Wow. Like I, I'm intentional about how my days look. Like I don't wake up to an alarm clock. You know what I mean? Like there's things that are important to me. Waking yeah. up slowly every morning is important to me. Important to you. Yeah. Walking my dog every morning and having a cup of coffee. That's how I like to, I'm not running out of the house. I'm not in a meeting by nine. Mm. I'm just not doing that. Yeah. That's not how I'm structuring my days, wow. you know? And so I think that it's also kind of getting clear about like the things that feed you. Yeah. Recognize like, and this is what I mean by spending time quiet with yourself. It's like, what feeds you? Do that. <laughs> and I think it's like really saying yes to the things that, I mean, I got here by saying yes to the things that feel good and by saying no <laughs> to the things that didn't feel good. That was Maggie Simpkins, a jewelry designer who was born to shine. Find out more about Maggie and get access to all of our episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. If you liked today's episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and don't forget to rate and review us. Stay up to date with our latest news following us on Instagram at Stories, or you can reach out with a message at hello at ClaimaStories.com. Our show this week is produced by BJ Fergozo, Pervy Patel, Natalie Yazzie, Jericho Trim, and the team over at DB Podcasts. Original music provided by Adrian Anaya and vocals provided by Rosella. Special thanks to Jordan Dinwiddie, Cena Clark, Clint Blaine, and Damian Mitchell. I'm Bima, and you've been listening to the Claim of Stories podcast, powered by Vista. Vista.